Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR. You're listening in on 8.55am, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au online. This week it is Homelessness Awareness Week and according to Homelessness Australia, on any given night, one in 200 people are homeless in Australia. Tonight on the show we have Hannah who is going to be talking a little bit about her experience of homelessness and mental health as well. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Hi Hannah. My name's Terry and uh, thanks so much for being here. And can you tell us... um, what has been your journey with homelessness and when did it begin? Uh, I think it was a very gradual journey and certainly not a uh, trip that I expected to take. Um, basically, it was um, brought on by um, the cost of family court, to be honest. Yeah, to be honest. Can and you say um, what... So you're in a, a family home situation? Yes, and, and what, what happened to um, bring on the homelessness in terms of you had high costs with family disruption, family separation? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think in certain situations um, when you're having to rehouse through the process, particularly rehouse um, in regards to the expectation of um, having a child stay with you as yep. well. Um, it has to be suitable accommodation, which can be quite costly on your own. Mm. And the actual court process can be a very long one, particularly um, if there's an adjournment. And uh, the cost of trying to provide a home for a child you expect to come in the future, um, well, that can equal or um, even exceed your weekly income. Right. So you're actually going backwards mm. through a very long, drawn-out process. Uh, not to mention the actual cost of the process, mm. which at you know three hundred and eighty an hour uh, is is not a lot of money. It's a very lot of mm. money. Yes, mm. yes, yes. Um, and so, um, in my situation, naturally, your uh, your preference would be to not be in court. Um, yes. Um, certainly, uh, nothing I expected. I hoped for uh, equal time with our child, but. If you uh, realise you are not going to be um, uh, likely to be in a position of having that, uh, depending on, on the type of divorce you're going through, um, then it's natural that in an emotional state where you're already missing and grieving for your child, you are mm. going to fight to keep that child in your life and there is no amount of money that will be... Uh, too much to mm. prevent that loss from your life, and hence um, paying rent can come secondarily to to that having access to your child. I think naturally you're in a state of, of mm. high emotional stress. Mm. Um, you don't know. 
from one day to the next how your child is, mm. um, if or when you will see them again. It's, it's incredibly traumatic and trying to hold down even a job through that mm. is difficult. You know, I was um, driving to work, wiping the tears out of my eyes, you know, and mm. trying to um, not have it obvious. Mm. And, and while I'm there with other people's children and 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 hearing them talk about their weekends with their family or school holidays or whatever knowing yep. that you're not mm. seeing your own child through those periods so mm. it's it's very emotionally draining um not to mention nightmares of an evening you know you're waking up at four in the morning you haven't slept you finally get back into a sleep and there's time to wake up for work so mm. this this is a continual cycle mm. um that you would know if, if people aren't receiving uh, enough quality sleep it really yep. does impact mm. absolutely and could you maybe share with us a little bit more about your experience with your mental health so whether that's like including your domestic situation or um any depression or anything else i think uh once again a gradual process mm. um I don't like to talk too much about the personal situation yeah. except to say, um, yes, I had moments of, mm. of feeling threatened and of mm. feeling um, certainly, um, how can I say, having my, my confidence mm. undermined mm. to an extreme degree. Mm. Um, um, so I think you begin to, to question uh, what you know, the reality, you, you have to remain strong in the face mm. of particular type mm. of abuse and, and mm. you have to remind yourself, uh, if you heard of such a, a term as gaslighting, mm. yes, mm. if you're yeah. in a situation of gaslighting, um, um, things can become very twisted and confusing mm. and you're having to maintain mm. uh, a belief in what you know is mm. the truth. And that, that can be quite taxing. Mm. Yeah. And I think just having your whole confidence uh, destroyed at the same time that you're losing uh, touch with a child from your life is, is it's torture. Mm. Yeah, it's torture. Mm. Mm. Did you have support from any family or friends during that time when you became homeless? And was it difficult to reach out and seek help? Absolutely, I had support. I got some fantastic friends, and I must say, um, the real friends in in your life are the ones you meet during during these periods of time. So, um, uh, thanks to all those people out there. Um, what was the rest of your question? <laughs> and so, you had support, and was it hard to reach out for their support? Of course, it's it's awkward. Let's put it that way. It's awkward. Um, it's it's hard to ask, um, but at times you have to. Mm. Um, let's face it. Um, but no, I think, look, the blessing in all of this is, is that it certainly uh, sorts the wheat from the chaff and mm. you know who the good people are. Mm. And you know that you'll be there for those people too if they need you. And if anything, it gives you an understanding of how easily this can happen. Yes. I think none of us imagined mm. uh, that we'd wind up in this situation of homelessness, so... Yes, I think you were saying before the program that there's a very high incidence of women over 50 or over 55 who are becoming, it's an increasing uh, group of people who are becoming homeless. Yes, I'm not absolutely sure of the statistics, um, but I believe it's increasing, um, it's like it's doubled in the last four years. It might mm. even be more than that. 
but it's really mm. uh, increasing at a rapid rate. And I think a lot of people's perception of being homeless, uh, you know, no offence to anybody out there, but it might be someone on the street, whether there's a drug problem, alcohol, whatever involved, they don't expect it is the average average middle-aged mum, mm. you know, mm. but that is the new face of homelessness at the moment, I believe, mm. yeah. And would you say that um, that 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 increase is, you know, be coming from an unexpected um, life circumstance, like similar to yours? or Yes, I think also a lot is to do with the systems in place, mm. uh, particularly through the court system, because um, I think we all had this... <laughs> maybe, a mm. fantasy that it was going to be quite different to mm. what it is. And I think a lot of people are very shocked um, about what is lacking in the process and the amount of um, gaps that one can fall through. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What resources did you use, use while you were homeless or as, as you're homeless and any support groups or food banks or shelters that you found helpful? Yeah. Um, look, I, I have to clarify compared to some people, I wasn't completely, completely homeless at certain points. You know, I was able to maintain, say, a rent or something, but certainly mm. things got very tight. Right. Mm. Um, and it is in more recent times. Uh, oh, yes, I did use, there was food banks and things like mm. this at different points of time, but I, I did my best to avoid them because... Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I could probably just make it through. There was mm. just a couple of occasions, yes, and, and they were terrific, you know, mm. they were terrific mm. people. Um, so to all the people out there providing services, mm. I commend them highly, mm. but I probably wasn't as needy as other people, you know, because mm. I did have supportive friends. I think you mentioned that you've had to move four times this year mm. and that you've been living in a caravan for a period of time. <laughs> no, no, not even that lucky. <laughs> No, sorry, not a caravan. I've I've had friends, you know, couch surfing type yes. situations. Um, named down for public housing, which yes. I've been awaiting. Uh, I think the issue is for people in my position is that we do have belongings, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, that we used to furnish a home. And so I tried uh, hanging on to those belongings, thinking some sort of rental or a job and rental or public housing will become available. Um but actually, the cost of storage for those belongings, it wasn't even worth the cost of, of what they Keeping cost to the rebuy. Mm. Um, so the concern is that if you don't have, uh, it's a very costly thing to continually move. So whether it is couch surfing or even if it is a rental, every time a rental expires, you just got no stability for your future. Mm. And the cost of moving, I tell you, it's it's into the thousands mm. by the time there's trucks and storage and everything else. Um, so that's um, for people who already don't have much. That's that's thousands oh. per year they're, mm. they're losing. So yeah, my belongings presently are under a tarp <laughs> in the Melbourne oh. weather in somebody's backyard. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And if they're getting wrecked, oh well, you know, mm. maybe oh, that'll set me free. I can let them go now. Mm. <laughs> what do you think? Some common misconceptions people may have about homelessness? Like what is the reality like that might be a little bit different from what other people might think? Um, yes, I think the ex, uh, the typical, uh, what's the word, generalised perception mm. is that, you know, oh, people have got drug problems, mental extreme mental health problems, um, uh, et cetera, mm. or 
or just alcoholic, whatever. Mm. But usually, most of the many of those problems uh, stem from other mm. problems, of course. Um, um, I think the perception is um, that, particularly with the, the age group that I'm in, mm. um, that we we don't look like. Uh, we're expected to look. Yeah. So we still like to, you know, we want to um, um, present as we normally do. Mm. And I think it's it's probably hard to be believed that you don't have anything. Mm. But oh. that doesn't mean you have to, um, you know, wear tracksuits and moccasins all day or yeah. anything like this. It yep. just means you're allowed to be yourself. And yeah. it, obviously in order to to um, get back up and be working again, you want to present yourself you well. You do. Yeah. And yeah. Do you ever find, like, there are situations where people might, yeah, not take you seriously? Has there, has there been a situation where someone might not think um, that you're in a serious situation? Or I think, yeah, possibly. Look, due to, due to some terrific friends, mm. you know, um, y- you tend to not go on that many outings because, mm. you know, you can't afford to. But I've had some great friends that have mm. said, look, come out, we'll buy you dinner tonight mm. or we'll buy you a drink or this or that. Mm. So, um, you know, someone might say, oh, I thought you didn't have anything but yet you're out on this particular night mm. having a good time. So yeah. that's another area that's, yeah. um, a, a, you know, a bit of misconception there mm. too. Yeah, mm. yeah. What do you think needs to be done to raise awareness and to help homeless people break the cycle? Oh, well, I'm not sure because it's pretty pretty wide. Mm, um, it is. A bunch of people, isn't it? Maybe we talk about the cohort that you're talking about. So uh, an experience of a family breakup, yeah. uh, violence and abuse and loss of self-esteem, a court system that's not um, helping you as much as it could do. Um, maybe you could talk about that cohort of people. Um, yes, um, I think, well, well, on a practical level, I think what I've just discussed is the fact that we don't have um, services that assist people with perhaps storing their belongings, mm-hmm. transporting their belongings. Uh, I inquired with various um, charities, you know, they'll provide emergency um, accommodation, but uh, nobody's actually providing assistance, either in, in, in the form of a loan or anything, that mm. you can actually transport your belongings or that you can store your belongings. And I thought what would be a great idea, um, for example, if I've got a fridge and a couch and um, several other things for the home, if it's costing me thousands to store them right now, perhaps another woman in my position could be using them. Yeah. And then the, if the day came that I got public housing or a home, then I could then get them back from somewhere. So whether it's like a ticketed system or, you know mm. what I mean, even if it meant that a charity took them, uh, sold them cheaply to this particularly particular person, and then when my day came, the fact that I've donated my belongings, I could then access something, you know, at a good Sounds price. Sounds good. Yeah, we might have to create that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, I have been connected to a scheme called the Low Interest um, Loan Scheme. I don't know whether you've heard about it. Vaguely, where you can get yeah. loans interest-free for a, about $500 for white goods mm. and so on. Okay. But your idea sounds like it could be an extension of that. It sounds like a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, 
Now, we've got through a lot of our mm. questions, but there were some that we skipped over a bit. And I, we've got here, um, mental illness can often lead to homelessness and vice versa. Now, I'm asking you about this because this program is the Brainwaves mm. program where mm. we've got to focus on um, the impact of mental illness and how it impacts on, on things like homelessness. Yes. Mm. And I'm wondering if you could elaborate a bit more about that. Um, well, I'm not actually in the situation of, of uh, mental illness as mm. such, but I can explain that um, the trauma of um, the process of going through court and, and, and the grieving process yes. without a child is, is quite extreme. Yes. Um, uh, not only are you dealing with the grief uh, on an emotional level, but you are then having to try to understand a process of court, which is baffling no matter what state of mind you're in, <laughs> really. Mm. Um, and so I think I know personally that the extent of the trauma of um, uh, loss of a child that you love is is enough to... Um, impact on your employment? Uh, it, it impacts on everything. You're mm. in, it impacts on your employment. Um, for example, um, it, it impacts on you socially because mm. you can attend... Um, a situation where you know a, a normal social situation and someone says oh are you a mum and how's your child and straight away you're left with a quit you know hey am I going to how am I going to answer that mm. um so emotionally you're feeling the little stabs the whole time mm. um so like I said it may not be technically mental illness it's actually just trauma but mm. it's a trauma that doesn't end yeah. um there's no finality to it um I certainly know for the first couple of years um, the degree of the trauma made it made it very difficult um, to cope with work and of course of course mm. with the, the process itself. Um, um, that's about all I can say in that regard. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were talking a little bit before the show as well about how grief plays into it, like that that fear of sort of maybe potentially losing what you thought you might get out of your child like by being restricted to small visitations and everything we were talking a little bit about the the grief and just how yeah, hard well, that can be for women especially yeah yes and i think well you know let's face it women have carried children mm. uh within their bodies that they've you know breastfed it's a very it's a very strong attachment yeah um um, as is the attachment for fathers too. There's nothing. It's just a different attachment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, it's a very, very powerful and strong attachment. Um, I get thinking emotionally when you ask these questions, and then yeah. I forget the rest of your question. Yeah. Um, oh, it wasn't so much a question. It's just like a bit of a statement. It's, it was such a an interesting thing that I hadn't really thought about. Is yeah, the whole way that it doesn't necessarily have to just be like a diagnosed mental illness it can be like a, exactly. a, a state of mind exactly almost. and yeah to be honest the, i don't know whether this fall, falls under mental illness but in this situation where there is no really strong valid reason mm. for there not to be um um both parents in a child's life mm. yeah it is generally um I would suggest and believe an undiagnosed um, situation of um, narcissistic personality disorder that does not want to allow a child to have a relationship with the other parent. So mm. there's another angle uh, yeah. to the whole thing. So unfortunately, there's, there's 
on the personal level and for for society, it creates a lot of grief yeah. all over the place for children. Mm. Mm. Most importantly, for children, really, um, for a, a targeted parent, and the fact that a person uh, who's discouraging contact, breaking orders, exactly, etc. Um, you know, they're, they're dealing with some other trauma of their own, which is then enacting mm, yeah. why, the, why they're behaving the way they are. And I think that mm. needs to be looked at as mm. well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. can often end up impacting the child as well. Like they sort of might grow up seeing that behaviour and sort of either normalising it or just sort of ha- not having that understanding of what's what's right and what's wrong, especially with like a narcissist. Yeah, it's, yes. it's such a thing that impacts not only that individual but also the people around them. That it becomes really, really difficult. Yeah, it's, to, yeah, yeah. it's um, it's like an intergenerational. It just it continues on. It's just, mm. just a way of being, unfortunately, you know. And mm. and for children to to grow with lack of empathy for others mm. is a really uh, sad thing too, you know. But mm. there is such a terrible position themselves, you know. I don't know how much you know of Stockholm syndrome and, yeah. syndrome and things like this. Um, they in a situation they have to uh, appease whoever they're with. I was going to say you might like to elaborate a bit and tell us, uh, tell the, our listeners what the Stockholm syndrome is. Okay, I'm no yeah. psychi- psychiatrist or psychologist, but <laughs> my, I believe this is the. Um, I think there was a bank robbery or something yeah, happened. Yeah, in something Stockholm, and yes. and um, it's where over a period of time. Um, the the people in in a situation or threatening situation. Uh, uh, become attached to the um, per- perpetrator. Yeah. yeah, and it's a bit like um, I think we all know what it was like to be at school mm. and there was a bully and we tended to, mm, not that we wanted to, but we knew that it was safer to be on the side of the bully. Yeah. It's not very safe to be out on the other side. So, um, But in regard to this particular type of situation, um, We're talking about the child being in the yes, Stockholm situation. Yes, absolutely, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And they're, they're also in a situation where no child really wants to have to make that choice. No. I could ask you no. now, I could ask you now at your age or older, uh, which parent would you like mm. to never see again? And I don't mm. think you would enjoy being put in that position to ask, answer that question. Mm. Yeah. And um, this is a, a really traumatic position for a child to be placed in mm. yeah. yeah yeah and um can you tell us so your child's in the school system how has the school um facilitated your access to information about his progress through school and so on ah uh, well um look schools have been pretty good mm-hmm. um i think uh, in fairness to them they can only go by uh you know if they see that a child is more with one one parent um, that mm. will, how can I say, we're talking through an interim period, we're not talking through a final order situation. So, right. Well, well, eventually it was, but I'm just saying, um, I think until you know yeah. how the flaws within the court system, you've mm. just got to go by what you see externally. But mm. I will say for parents that are not in a, uh, able to see the children when they would like to, that they then... Are further ostracised because uh, you know you're going to have fingers pointed at you saying, "Well, why haven't they got their children with them more? They must have done something terrible." And especially for mothers, I think that's a, a mm. it's it's another a, a hidden fear. And if you've had that 
someone saying that to you along the way, um, you know, it might be building mm. on something that's a fear more than a reality. Mm, yeah, yeah, perhaps. Uh, look, I know of situations um, where orders are broken by the schools too. They've, they've, they fall under the charm of, um, of many. And, um, yeah, that's another issue. There's, mm. there's so much education that has to be done yeah. about this mm, whole that's subject. That's what I was thinking. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah um, certainly. I guess just to finish up, what sort of advice or maybe like a, a key sort of point would you offer to anyone who might have ever been or ever will be in sort of a situation similar to yourselves? What would you What would you say? <sighs> Probably you're not the right person to ask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have money um <laughs> even uh, sorry yeah, i was just yeah. i was just gonna say even just um when you were talking earlier about just like keeping your sense of like reality and keeping yes. your sense of like um uh, some strength um when someone's putting you down um even that as well might yeah, yeah i think i think strength and I, look really the best advice i would say is no matter which position you're in mm. in these scenarios there's many online groups um, mm. that are supportive. Um, there's, sure, there's counsellors and things, but I think, to be honest, until you've lived it, you just can't believe it. Yeah. You just mm. cannot believe it. I don't know if you've uh, seen movies where there's um, a UFO spaceship comes and takes somebody away and they come back and try and tell the world that, hey, I got taken to mm. Mars. Mm. That's what you feel like. You feel like you're trying to tell people, yeah, but I did get taken to Mars. Mm. You know, this is like what mm. I'm going through has been so crazy that I cannot mm. believe it. Yeah. And I think support of others that have actually um, experienced yeah. it and you just confirm and, yeah. and, and support you in, in what you're dealing with. Mm. But, um, but in regard to the systems, yes, I think just the systems have to be aware that it's not just a matter of emergency help that, that, that people need. I think particularly at my age, you know, to start again, uh, in your fifties, and hope to um, how you can have a, a home again. Mm, you know, yeah. Pretty slim chances uh, you're not going to get a bank loan, particularly if you're not employed at the time. Mm. So yeah. it's pretty overwhelming. Mm. You know, it's mm. pretty it's exhausting to think of starting mm. at an yeah. older mm. age. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on to the show and thank you. sharing your story with our listeners. It's been wonderful to have a little chat with you about all the things that yeah have contributed to homelessness and everything like that it's been really informative informative sorry my pleasure thank you very much yeah, thank you thank you terry and steph for interviewing today as well um so you can find more episodes of brainwaves on our website brainwaves.org.au and on the 3cr website as well that's 3cr.org.au slash brainwaves we'll be back next wednesday at 5 p.m stay tuned for another episode next week You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.